you found yourself at the junction where worlds meet. Politics. Civility? How about honesty in this country, folks? Entertainment. I don't like entertainment. And a whole bunch of other stuff. It's about having a healthy body image. You have a very unhealthy body. You should have a horrible body image. Everybody hates my opinion. We are definitely going to get letters. <laughs> You're listening to Talk Radio's Strangest Animal. You're a strange animal. That's what I know. You're getting louder with Crowder. But you're a strange animal. So glad to be with you as we get close to wonderful 4th of July celebration. Hope you're enjoying it. This might actually sound a little bit different because I'm coming to you from beautiful northern Michigan, Leelanau County. Of course, as always, I am your host, Stephen Crowder. The most insubordinate producer in all of radio joins me. Fun yeah, bite me. Don't start with that. Don't start with it yet. <laughs> These are nice people. They're good people. And listen, we are going to have some great guests on today. Fantastic. Larry Elder. Uh, who needs really no introduction? He's the wonderful black gentleman with the luscious mustache. Who is no? I heard that his mustache is gone. Don't ruin the punchlines. <laughs> and Brad Thor, of course, uh, in- incredible, just wonderfully prolific author. So if you don't know him, um, does he know the Hulk? Okay, just stop with this. This is this is the problem when we do this on these weird days. You see, you don't have to produce things as much when I have to, and then you just won't stop talking. And then it, you act like it's your show. So here's what's funny, though. Before we're going to get, we're going to just talk about America. Firstly, you said you're not proud to be American fun dip. I'm not proud to be anything that I was born into. That makes sense, but again. I'm proud of Americans who did something worthy before, like. Commander Tibbets flying, you know, during World War II and and taking care of ending the war. I'm proud of the guys who were in the B-17s and the F-4U Corsairs. I'm proud of the guys that were in the Navy and the Marines. But I'm not proud of me. I never did anything. That's not what I'm talking about, though. I'm not talking about you being proud like, hey, I'm proud that I'm white. I'm talking about being proud of being born into a country that has afforded you the opportunity, for example, to do this show, to speak freely, to... I'm glad of it, not proud of it. I don't see pride that way. Yeah, actually, you know, it's funny. Um, Stalker Jim wrote a, a, a very insightful column on this. He is... I was, like, so proud of him. I'm like, dude, that is awesome. Yeah, it was a very well-written... Uh, a column on Pride. We have it up at Twitter. You can uh, find that. Follow me here at S. Crowder. We'll get it up on two sides of the same coin, on the kind of pride that is narcissistic and the kind of pride that comes in essentially seeing accountability of your ancestors. He talked about being a craftsman and coming from a long line of craftsmen, saying, so for me, pride was seeing something that I'd done well that I knew would make them proud, and I could feel good about that. And I see it that way with the United States of America. If you're out there and you're enjoying and doing what you can to protect, to preserve the freedoms of this great country, I'm not just talking about putting a rifle on your back, though of course we are incredibly indebted to anyone who serves the United States military, but even even uh, programs like this or people who are going out there and employing people, small business owners, they are maintaining this this practice of American exceptionalism, they can feel good about that because they make the very fa- the very principles of this country, the very people who created these principles. Actually, I'm proud they, of my dad. 
you're proud of your dad. Okay. All the things that he's accomplished over the years. He built the family room. He built the north end bedrooms. He built lots of people's garages and things like that. So there is going to be a legacy in our neighborhood and around southeastern Michigan of buildings that will remain after he's gone. Well, you know, it's funny, actually, and this will be up at LauderWithCrowder.com. The left is not proud of America, put it that way. You may say, I'm not you're doing wordplay, going, I'm not proud of being American, and I understand you're trying to be consistent, but you are proud of the United States of America. I know you are. Oh, yeah, but I still would rather live in Liverpool. No, you wouldn't. Are you kidding me? Could you imagine me as a bus tour guide in Liverpool saying, and this is where Paul McCartney was raised, and this is George Harrison's is childhood so home? That is idiotic that I can't, I mean, you think Dearborn is bad? Well, yeah. You don't yeah, enjoy but... the same freedoms in Liverpool as you do in the United States. And that's actually one thing. It's up at LadderWithCredder.com. There's this famous rant from the newsroom from Jeff Daniels' character, uh, Will McAvoy, I believe he's called. And it, he talks about why the United States is no longer the greatest country and essentially implies that it never was. And uh, I'm issuing a rebuttal. It's a longer video, but it's worth your, your, your time if you want to be able to be armed to deal with the common leftist arguments. He lists, lists all of these other countries that have freedom. UK, Japan, Canada, France. Freedom isn't unique to the United States. And none of that is true. Just because a country says they're free does not make it so. And it's important for people to note a few takeaways. Firstly, here we're talking 4th of July. So let's talk about freedom. Let's talk about what's unique about the United States. Funnily enough, leftists like Jeff Daniels, who basically are multiculturalist proponents, constantly accuse the United States of, of having no culture. And they fail to see the irony that the United States can only make culture our greatest export because everyone else in the world so desperately wants to be included as a part of it. Go to Belgium. Go to France. Go to Japan. Look at their top films. It's going to be littered with, with cultural uh, contributions from the United States, not so much from the United States with theirs. It's one of our greatest exports. And, of course, <laughs> these countries that left to say, well, actually, they're just, if you look at them, they're just as free, have actually found themselves on the wrong side of freedom, fighting against it, only to be thwarted by the ignorant, armed, patriotic Americans you so condescendingly address so that it could be preserved for generations to come. These places like, but, but since when do France, England, Germany, Japan get to teach us about freedom? Germany's pretty cool now. I mean, they've it's done not. some horrible things before, but it's I not. like them now. It's not. I want a vacation there at least. It's not. Fun to, I, listen, I hope you're joking here, but I'm actually talking about serious principles. You, you, don't just, you can't just look at things that shallowly and go, oh, they have good bratwurst. Do you really think that Germany has their stuff together as, like the United States? Do you really think that they're as free as the United States? Honestly. They have an awesome bass guitar factory. Fun dip, seriously. Do you honestly think that they are as free as the citizens of the United States? Yeah, probably not. But, I mean, I think that it would be fun to live in any of those places for a year or so at exactly, least. Exactly, but that's not what we're talking about, fun dip. I but, I mean, this is incredibly. That's not what we're talking about. But it's the Fourth of July. It's okay to say the one thing that makes the United States intrinsically valuable. The one thing that makes us entirely unique from all those places is not only are they not as free as us, Fundip, but, but they were I mean, never day -to -day designed. Freedoms. What? Day to day freedom. No, it's not even close. And they were never designed from the ground up to afford their citizens those freedoms. And you know where that comes from? That comes from, despite what people might hate here, from the founding fathers who believed that these freedoms didn't come to us from them or government or laws. 
unalienable rights as endowed to us by our Creator. They believed in God-given freedoms upon which no man could infringe. And Fundip, even though you're an agnostic, that is what is singularly unique about the United States. And nobody else set up their system of government that way. And, and that is why they can never be as free as we can. But what are the, what are the things like on a daily basis that are different about our freedoms versus those places? Okay, things like freedom of speech doesn't exist in Canada, doesn't really exist in many of those European countries that have hate speech laws. But I mean, if you're just things walking like freedom, around, yep, things like freedom of the press, uh, things like freedom of religion with certain churches, for example, in Denmark right now. If you're a church, gay man can walk into your church, has never been in your church, has never been a member, and says, you're going to marry us. You have no choice. You have to. Um, gosh, how much further do we have to go on down the list? 75% uh, tax rates in some of these countries, in socialist countries, the inability to open up businesses, the inability to create products or services that might be deemed offensive due to other hate mean speech laws. What about the average hapless schmuck? I just gave you about 20, Funda. Yeah, but I mean, those would be for people that actually accomplish something. The average schmuck like me who goes home and sits and watches TV for a few hours, goes to bed, goes to work the next day. Let's say I'm not working okay, in media. Okay, let me give it to you really clearly. You have said a multitude of things on this program. Well, that no, would get you I... completely banned Look, from the airwaves in these clearly. countries that you're praising. Clearly, but I'm saying, like, if I was just working a regular menial job, I just say, gave cleaning you 20 a movie examples, theater. gave you a personal example. I don't, anyone should be affected by freedom of speech, by freedom of religion, freedom of the press. If you go home and watch TV, for example, and you're in Canada where there is no freedom of the press, it's essentially a government monopoly with Radio Canada and CBC, you're not getting the straight story. That, that affects everybody. But what if they're just watching, you know, Trailer Park Boys or something like that, and they're not watching the news? I'm talking about the average I just idiot. gave I'm you playing the devil's average. advocate. No, you're playing stupid advocate. <laughs> no, no, seriously, though. You're playing I mean, fail I, I the bar I advocate. Under, I understand for media folks like us or for religious leaders and so forth, those you don't have to be huge. a radio folk or religious leader to understand the importance of religion of the freedom of religion or freedom of speech. You don't have to be. Everyone gets to enjoy those. I guess I just I mean I understand. Okay, let me change you one more thing. It, let me change you one more thing. But having having been there and having had relatives in England and relatives, you know, you you lived in Canada, so it's different, but I've got relatives there. And they'd walk around, say the things they really felt like saying. They'd watch the TV they felt like watching. And I didn't see, you know, just as a visitor in either of those places, anything majorly this different. This is why you need some kind of principles in your life, Fundip. You need some kind of guiding principles. And I'm not talking Qui-Gon Jinn, midi-chlorian. I mean, you need some kind of Fat guiding. Drunk, stupid. There's no way to go through life, son. I'm not drunk. <laughs> You need some kind of principles to get you to see the world some way. I'm not talking about an ideology or political spectrum. Or we have to go to this break here. You know that. Bring in whatever damn music you want because you haven't properly replaced the bumps because you're so free that you still have a job <laughs> working on Louder with Crowder. And Keep we will be change, you filthy animal. We will be back after this. High on a hill was a lonely goat herd. Lay, 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 lay. Loud was the voice of the lonely goat herd. Lay, lay, lay. 
Hey, this is Steven Crowder with Louder with Crowder to tell you about one of my favorite sites on the web, AR15.com. I know you hear AR15 say, isn't that the scary black rifle? It is, but AR15.com is actually the best website if you want a community from which to learn about how to care for your gun, gun safety, where to find concealed permits, courses, as well as the best online gun store in the business. I'm talking ammo, accessories, upgrades, all of it can be found at AR15.com. That's AR15.com. You're listening to Louder with Crowder. We're back. Stephen Crowder, insubordinate producer. You can follow him at FunDipDan and at That's at FunDipDan, at FunDipDan, at FunDipDan. Uh, all right. Yeah. But of course, at he doesn't Dan. enjoy any freedoms. He doesn't enjoy the freedom to be obnoxious. <laughs> I, I'm that no matter where I go. Yeah, no matter where you go. They're, well, the good, the difference is they can't just boot you here. In, the, in England, they can. They can just say you said Spartan something hateful. Lift. <laughs> Do you have any? You, you have no idea as to what would happen to you in the UK with laws protecting Islamic freedom versus freedom of speech. You have no clue what would happen with you. But I mean, I spent two weeks there, and before just, you did this show. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I spent two weeks. Yeah, that's true. After they hear this show, they'll be like, "Fund it, Dan? No, you're not allowed to come to the UK." I'll start acting like Michael Friggin' Savage. I can't go to England. Like, that guy's such a pain in the okay, butt. Okay, Gay Jared, I want you to come in here. Do you see the problem here with with like? Do you see the genuine frustration that I have with Fund it? Just going, oh, what about me? What about, do you see the the problem? I see it, and I'm. I'm I'm in a different part of the state with you, within like throwing distance of items as you get frustrated. So I see the frustration. I feel the frustration. I may really feel the frustration. <laughs> could, get, could, get, could get messy. It could get messy here. That's right. I don't even want to know what kind of frustration he's going to let out on Gay Jared. <laughs> well, you know, listen, we let Gay Jared be Gay Jared, and when he wants to come out, it's it's in his time that he can not gay. He can be forward about his beliefs. For the record. Uh, my issue, okay, let me change one thing. You say, I don't see on a day-to-day basis the freedoms that are, okay, the U.K. kind of enjoys whatever paltry freedoms are assigned to them by the government depending on a day that they want it. Um, let's change one thing, U.K. or Canada. You now have to protect freedom for the rest of the world. Go. Oh, those Americans, they spend so much on national defense spending. Eh? Okay, Canada, okay, Canada. Now you have to protect your underpopulated, vast land, rich in natural resources, without the greatest peacekeeping organization that's ever existed for freedom on the face of the earth, the United States military. Go nuts! Let's see how it happens. The burden for freedom of the entire world, and you can send your hate tweets to Adas Crowder and tell me that I'm arrogant, but I stand behind this 100 freaking percent, rests squarely on the shoulders of the United States of America. Frank, well, I, I understand that. There you go. There's a day-to-day freedom. The only reason anyone That's gets to enjoy... That's not something day-to-day. Yes, it is. That's... Yes, it is. The only reason anyone gets to enjoy day-to-day freedom at all is because we afford it to them. Because we ever afforded it to them. I don't know. It, it, to me, it's kind of like the whole government thing. Before I, us, I don't feel, none of these I, countries not... did it, fund it. Before us, we left... England, do you understand what we left? We created what other people are trying to mimic poorly. No, they've actually improved on our rock and roll over in England. That's another great example as far as culture. If you look at those people from England or British Invasion, they were only able to be successful once they moved to and made it in the United States. 
<laughs> Where was John Lennon shot? Liverpool? No, he was shot here, so he I, mean, shot here. I would does, have stayed there. Where does Paul McCartney live? He's got, I think, three or four houses, yeah, two yeah. of them here. Two of them here. That's what I'm saying. They come here. Where, where are the Olympic uh, Olympic athletes from From Tonga, the Tongan Islands train? Denver? I know nothing about sports. My point is that we have— Is the, that a real place? Yes, it is. I knew someone who was actually— I, I absolutely, From Tungsten? What no, the t- hell? No, Tongan. I thought it was Tunga, a light bulb. Tongan Islands? I don't know. She was Tongan was the term. I don't know. She was Tongan. But I don't she, even want to know what— is it? You're going back I, to No, I'm not subject. lying. She was in charge of their Olympic luge team. I'm not kidding. That's like the Jamaica. It's like Cool Runnings, only it was a real thing. Here's another thing. You say you don't know in your day-to-day rights. How about, let's say, in a place like Canada? Well, in the U.K., it's not even allowed at all, but the right to self-preservation. You have to sit before the government and justify your right to protect your house and home with a firearm, your very basic right of self-preservation, which they'll ultimately decline anyway. Is that a day-to-day right? I would still have to get that past the misses first, so it's not something that would Let's even just come see up. The thing is, Fundip has no capability on this of law. I'm thinking. a total like. I was going to get into the SCOTUS, I'm but a pet. I was going to get into the SCOTUS decision, and I just can't do it because I know Fundip's response is going to be, "I hope everybody's nice to each other," and then we're just going to have to sit down and just. <laughs> and we might not be able to sit down after that. <laughs> Uh, okay, let's, well, gosh, you know what? Gerald and it's funny. The, obviously, the Supreme Court decision, people wanted to know uh, what I thought. You can go to louderwithcrowder.com. I filled in for Dana last week. This week, we want to focus more on just what makes America great and having some fantastic guests. Larry Elder will be great to talk about the Supreme Court decision. Um, we only have a couple of minutes here. I want to see something real quick. Do we have time to run the, um, well, no, I, don't, I guess we don't have time to run the clip. There was a clip of a fighter who actually got in trouble for thanking Jesus. Of course, all the gay activists said that he said something that was being anti-gay and were calling for his head and his job, and that wasn't the case. Now the UFC president has said, keep Jesus at home, don't thank Jesus publicly. Now we have an article from the New York Times that says the churches must lose their tax-exempt status unless they're going to marry gay people. So this is all the backlash that everyone said you didn't have to worry about with over reach of the courts forcing same-sex marriage upon the states. This is a thing that people talked about for years. Everyone said wouldn't happen. Well, it's happening now. So no one's being nice to each other. That sucks. Yep, it sucks. The meanest people on the planet are gay activists, Fundip, and the sooner that you learn that, the way they are treating Christians right now but all is unreal. all the gay people I know are really oh, nice. Oh, there you go. All the gay people I know, I don't own a gun, so it's not a right because I don't own a gun. And then the, it seems like the ones that get really angry and mean around me, or at least on my Facebook, are, are the Christian folks who are, like, putting up these big things. You're not allowed to marry the person you love. When have you ever put something up that says something like, I don't know, like a Westboro Baptist post that says God hates fags? When have you ever put that up? Because I've seen tons of your, things you post about how Christians are ignorant and stupid. So when have you ever trolled gay people? Maybe that's why I fund it. <laughs> I've never put anything that Christians are ignorant or stupid. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. Misinformed. There you go. When have you ever put, hey, gay people suck at this? Just pick one thing that gay people aren't amazing at, according to you. Just one thing. You would think that you would think that every single homosexual, according to Fundip, is as fast as Usain Bolt, is as strong as Andy Bolton, can jump like LeBron James, and can sing like Freddie Mercury. You would think every single gay person well, listen, is that way from Fundip. I, the only ones I really pay attention to publicly are the ones that are killer singers and stuff. So I mean, locally, you know, friends and stuff. They, I don't know what they do for a living. 
I know my cousin is an awesome cook. That dude can cook some serious food, so props to Kevin. <laughs> Gay Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Listen, my point is I love there the are food. people who are good I'm, at I'm all go things on all sides, but my point is you play identity politics more than anyone, and you don't realize it sometimes, Bundip. I've looked at your I don't realize page. half of the crap I do. All right, we have to go to this break, I think, here sometime soon, and bring on our next guest, Larry Elder, who will... It's far I'm smarter. Not, I'm not insubordinate. I'm incompetent. There's a difference. <laughs> Larry Elder up next, and uh, enjoy it. He's far smarter than either of us. Louder with crowd. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, listener, what are you doing? You're listening to the show, but you're missing so much content at louderwithcrowder.com. Don't worry. I'm not trying to sell you anything, not any gold or self-lubricating pocket catheters, just news, videos, and exclusive stuff that you don't hear on terrestrial radio. Again, it's, it's all free. We're not asking you to spend any money. Just visit there, get your news, and get a couple of laughs. If you want to send me money, that's fine. What? I don't even know. How do you get in this room? Cold, hard in. cash. This ad took a bad turn. Hey! Louderwithcrowder.com. Don't listen to Fun Dip. It doesn't cost a thing. Louderwithcrowder.com. You're listening to l- l- Louder with Crowder. Louder with Crowder. Louder with So glad to have this next guest with me. And I know I say that a lot, but this is this is true because <laughs> I was raised in a country where we didn't get AM radio. We didn't get any kind of political discourse. And it's funny, he can tell me about it. I used to watch his program. I had no idea, no background on him, but I remember looking to my dad as a young teenager saying, I think that guy's a conservative, or at the very least, a reasonable human being. LarryElder.com. He has a book, uh, Dear Father, Dear Son. Out. Larry Elder, thanks for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs> no, I, I am so glad to have you. You know, it's funny. We have a, I mean, we have a lot of, we have an eclectic mix of guests, right? We don't typically just do the, the AM radio stuff that everyone else does. We have weird people on. Right. But I, I, I don't get <laughs> starstruck by people I have on who are just on cable news because we didn't have it. But your show, I used to, was, now was it a, a morning or a, a, a daytime show? Well, I, I had uh, I had a couple of TV shows. One was called Moral Court, and one was called The Larry Elder Show. Okay. You're probably thinking about The Larry Elder Show. That was on for a bit. But I've done radio now for 20 years. Yes. Well, I know, and I hate to talk about something that used to do, but for me, that was the only thing I had access to <laughs> in Canada. Right. You're talking about essentially a government-monopolized media with the CBC and Radio Canada. And it, it, right. it's, it's funny. So I just remember watching as a kid. I, had no, I didn't know what a Republican was. You and John Stossel. And I sat right. there, and I said— I, I just like what these guys have to say. Get this Barbara Walters off because it came on after tea. <laughs> and I think you were a guest on Stossel, if I'm not mistaken. I was. Uh, and Stossel and I are both libertarians. Yeah. This is true. Yeah. And I th- that's how I was introduced to you because we used to have TGIF, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Boy Meets World, and then 2020 came on. And John Stossel would come on with his sort of smug, give me a break, you know, his whole segment. Right. And uh, and that's where I saw you. And I just said, I, I had no idea why I was so drawn to you guys. Um, you know, I... I- I've known Stossel for a long time, and people often ask me, Stephen, how I became a libertarian. It was kind of a, a long process, mostly my, me being exposed to economics. But Stossel found some book, uh, a magazine called The Reason Magazine, on, on right. a metro that somebody had just left. 
And he picked it up, started reading it, and it was all libertarian, and that's what got him interest on, interested in libertarianism. So I told him if he had missed that bus, then he would he would still be a card-carrying Democrat, and apparently he said apparently so. Well, you know, it's funny. I actually subscribed to Reason Magazine through one of those guys who sold subscriptions. Mm-hmm. You know, he had the old shtick door-to-door. He had been shot in the face eight times. And, um, right. <laughs> and it was cool. I found out. I remember I was so gullible. I was young. I was like, oh, what do you have that's political? And I subscribed to Reason Magazine. And I remember um, I saw him at a CVS. Uh, or Well, uh, it wasn't a CVS. It was a different pharmacy that uh, people won't understand the name. So I'm saying CVS for reference. I was seeing him there and finding out that it was a complete sham. And I was upset, but I did have my Reason subscription. And I read, read that thing religiously for two years. Um, so it's funny. Right. So you say libertarian. And I think that's really right. interesting this week because – I feel like you and Stanislaw have been incredibly consistent. Um, socially, you lean more liberal. I don't want to misrepresent right. you. So what, mm-hmm. what is your point of view then on this Supreme Court, the decisions last week? Because I would imagine for a libertarian, it's much more than the reductive reasoning of love versus hate. It, it is. And, and in California, we've had the um, issue of same-sex marriage on the ballot twice. And both times I voted in favor of it. Mm-hmm. And both times, my fellow Californians voted against it. And I'm okay with that because I thought that we had a country where we had the concept of federalism. Uh, Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution outlines the duties and obligations of the federal government. The Ninth and Tenth Amendments say anything the federal government can't do uh, are reserved to the people and to the states. And I think marriage and abortion are issues that should be decided on a state-by-state basis. So while I don't, I don't mind the idea that a state has accepted same-sex marriage, in fact, I voted for it, as I said, mm-hmm. I really disliked the way it was done ramming it down the throats of all 50 states when 13 or 14 of them didn't want it. Same thing they did with abortion. And they were winning the argument on the ground, as they were with abortion. In 1973, when uh, Roe v. Wade was handed down, abortion was available to 70% of the nation's population. Similarly, same-sex marriage is legal in about 35, 36 states before this. And in the other 14, many of them had something called civil unions. So I don't see any reason why this had to be shoved down the throats of the rest of the country. Well, I will ask you this as someone who is, I'm trying to think, uh, black, African-American, gentlemen of color, what should I say here to make sure you don't call the ACLU? <laughs> well, I never use the term African-American. I think it's a stupid, demeaning term that was essentially rammed down the throats of newspapers by Jesse Jackson. I'm an American who happens to be black. That's what I call myself. So colored gentlemen. We'll go with that. That's okay. Because <laughs> All right. I never understood. Person of color. Yes. American of color. And what's funny is colored is racist. People of color right. is now correct. I can't keep track right. of the rules. And it, don't Every, give me everything r- changes. When I when I was a kid, it was Negro, and then it was Afro American. Then all of a sudden, uh, African American. And I guess that's where it is right now. And if you notice, when newspapers use the term African American, the next sentence they'll say black, and then they'll go back to African. Yeah, I know they can't. got to cover their bases. <laughs> it's, and then it's it's worse in French Canadian because you know it's noir is black. It's a color. Negre is Negro. So and then they switch between French and English. You have to be careful with that because you can use some French words in English, but if you just say negre, people wait. What? What, what did you just say? So you have to be careful. And um, again, it's just it's funny that this political correctness. People don't understand what's politically correct here is actually offensive in another country, and it, it's but, tough to but keep. But track. also, it's weird on another level. I, I've seen police, for example, describe an assailant as being quote an African American. How do you know he wasn't from Haiti? How do you know he wasn't from Nigeria? Right. I got a buddy who. Uh, went up to Canada with a, with a son, and his son said, Dad, there aren't very many uh, many black people here in Canada. And he said, well, there are some. So they go driving, they go to a, a, a gas station, and the son, who's 10 years old, says, Dad, there's an African-American. Well, how do you know he's from uh, Af- America? He's Canadian African-American, isn't he? Right. He's Haitian-Canadian. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, we it's have not. that. We have a huge Haitian population, funnily enough, in Quebec, which is a bastion of multiculturalism. And they, we talked about these laws a lot. They tried to purify the province. Pure land, it's called, for 
pure French European blood. It's, 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 it's horrible. It's incredibly racist. And then they had a huge Haitian immigration because, I mean, they speak French. And uh, French Canadians are much more racist than Americans, so it's funny to see them flip out now. Um, <laughs> so, no, it's, it's funny that you say that, and uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear that uh, we're not going to be stepping on any cultural landmines. No, but uh, we're good. <laughs> let, me, let me go to before, because I want to give you the floor here, because it's going to be sensitive. As a, uh, My point I was going to get to is as a black gentleman comparing it to the civil rights struggle, the Voting Rights Act, a lot of... Uh, some libertarians I've seen do that. I want to get your point of view louder with Crowder. Larry Elder, if you change that dial, I'll have him beat you up. <laughs> this is Louder with Crowder. Be sure to visit louderwithcrowder.com. Hey, Fundit, what's wrong? I'm trying to figure out what kind of gift to send to my friend's hot niece. Well, firstly, that's creepy. Does she like wine? Well, yeah, everybody likes wine. Oh, so what's the problem? I just don't know what kind of wine she likes. Oh, well, the good thing is you're in luck, because you can go to SimplifiedWine.com or call 844-297-WINE. You just place a call or you send an email, and a qualified sommelier will find out what you like, your price range, and curate a perfect wine list for you or your friend's hot niece. SimplifiedWine.com or 844-297-WINE. This is Louder with Crowder. But you're a strange animal. I got to follow. Back with this guest, who I like, kind gentleman. So we're going to ask a question before the break. I want to give him the floor. Um, you right. said that you don't want to see this given to the courts because you think people should vote on it. Obviously, liberals and even some libertarians say you don't get to vote. Uh, you don't get to vote on human rights or civil rights and compare it to the plight of black Americans. What do you say to that? Mm -hmm. I don't think the comparison is well taken. Uh, four members of the Supreme Court uh, agree with me that uh, this should be handled on a state-by-state on -state basis uh, and that sexual orientation is not the same thing as race. Um, in, before 1969, it was illegal for blacks and whites to marry uh, in, in some parts of this country, mostly in the South. Uh, this has nothing to do with, with race. It has everything to do with people's behavior and orientation. And I can at least understand the argument that the traditional, sex, the traditional proponents of marriage argue, which is that... Uh, a marriage is the possibility of having children or having children, and we have to provide the kinds of role models that teach men how to be men and women how to be women. Again, I don't buy that reasoning, but that is at least a straight-faced reasoning that a lot of people feel, and the courts ought to have respected. And if you don't like living in that particular state, you can move to another state. If your state is one of these states that does not support same-sex marriage, you can decide as a business person, you can decide as a tourist not to go to that state. You can punish that state in that way, and maybe that state will then rethink its assumptions. But to sure. cram it down the throats of the American people by arguing it's the same thing as the civil rights of the 1950s as to blacks. To me, it's unfair and not well taken. And one of the nieces of MLK is named Avita King. She's a pastor, and mm -hmm. she very much resents the comparison. Yeah, I can imagine. I always talk about that. You know, it's tough for me because obviously I'm not black, but I say I, I, if I were black, I'd Again, it's something you're born. You're born black, and you're born people. You know, people say gay. I've talked about that, and I don't want to. I don't want to open that box right now. Um, I think people don't choose their sexual desires, but everyone has choices over their sexual actions. It's just like I have a choice to right. cheat on my wife. Not saying you, you, you know, you're watching the love boat and you go, "Hmm, Skipper looks great. I think I'm going to go for him today." <laughs> right. What I am saying is, everyone chooses to act on their sexual actions. So. There is no choice in being black, despite what the left might say. I've seen them say that you're not black enough, so I guess it is a, a, a choice on how you act. Yeah, people, people claim I made a choice to be white, but uh, I right. don't see it. Every morning I, I get up in the mirror and I go, ah! 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like the old cartoon where you jump out of your skin, and then hopefully right. you can just jump into a new one and go, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm white now. I'm transracial. Here's my point. Actually, now we're, we're off on the, the rabbit trail. The transracial thing. I've talked about this before. I want you to tell me if you think I'm absolutely out of line here. Um, the transgender movement, that's where I think there is a slippery slope. The fundamental interchangeability of genders. With the same-sex marriage, I think it applies. You have to apply that reasoning to transgenderism, transsexualism, whatever you want to call it. But I do think it's actually much more reasonable. I'm not saying either is reasonable. To change your race than your sex. Because think about this for a second. Just one second. Come with me here. Bruce right. Jenner <laughs> had to go through severe hormone replacement therapy. Uh, all kinds, I mean, a surgery where you essentially amputate your penis and testicles to become a woman. It still very much looks like a man in a dress. Anyone would be able to point it out. Rachel Dalzal slapped on a spray tan and a sideshow bob, a fake perm, go. and fooled the NAACP for what, a decade? I mean, so wouldn't it <laughs> seem as you're viewed by the public, that would show you that it's, um, it's obviously a much more physical issue. I think she also fooled her husband, who thought she was uh, black as well. Is that true? Uh, you're, you're right. It, it, it looks as if you can uh, <laughs> become somebody different uh, on, on a racial level easier than you can become someone different on a gender level, because Rachel Dolezal basically said she felt black. Yeah. And so therefore, she is black. So you can get up in the morning and feel Amish and become Amish. It's fantastic. It's, yeah. It's amazing. I, I just unplug the outlet for a few hours a day, and I just role play with my wife. We go Amish. You know, what's interesting, the NAACP <laughs> gave her more support than they gave Clarence Thomas. Clarence Thomas was the second nominee, black nominee for the Supreme Court. And right. The NAACP did not support him. The uh, black magazine called Ebony, Stephen, probably the most widely circulated black magazine in the country, comes out once a month. I know. Why do you feel that you think I don't know because I'm white? I know what? about Ebony. Wanted, wanted to inform your fans <laughs> who might not, right. be as, might not be as knowledgeable as you, Stephen. Anyway, every year they have something called the 100-plus uh, most influential black Americans. Yeah. And every year they omit Clarence Thomas, uh, Thomas Sowell, and Walter Williams, three prominent black people, because they feel that they aren't black. That is to say they have positions that are antithetical to the black community. But Rachel Dolezal, good to go. Explain that one to me, Stephen. Uh, I don't think I can explain it to you. I just wanted to make the joke about her sideshow so, side Bob perm. But, you know, it's funny, the Clarence Thomas <laughs> thing. <laughs> I was pretty young, and when I went back and, and, and read up on that, so I was too young to fully understand it, Right. I was going like, okay, to the best of my knowledge, it was a joke about like nether region hair and a coke can or something. I'm going like this doesn't seem to be a national story, and it, it just shows you that some things can get so hyped up in the moment. And when someone comes in with a fresh point of view and just goes, "This is what everyone was an up in arms about," I think we're going to have that about nearly everything occurring these last few years. I think you're right. What happened in the case of Clarence Thomas is that one of the women women persons he worked with, her name was Anita Hill, said that he hit on her mm -hmm. and said. There's a pubic hair on my coke, which was his boring, clumsy way of hitting on her. And for that reason, Clarence Thomas was perceived to be not qualified to be on the Supreme Court. Right. Scotty, beam me up. Meanwhile, <laughs> Al Sharpton has a show on MSNBC. And Al Sharpton is a race hustling person who became famous by lying about Tawana Brawley. He's $5 million light in taxes, got involved in the Crown Heights affair, uh, went to Ferguson and said that Darren Wilson should be arrested. And then, of course, Darren Wilson was exonerated. He's got a show on MSNBC. Donald Trump is fired. What world do I live in, Stephen? I, well, I don't know. I'm not a fan of, of – uh, I think Al Sharpton and Donald Trump should have a hair war. 
I mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't know who I'd vote for. I will say this, though. It's funny you bring up Al Sharpton. They, they both have run for president, though. They both do their hair in the ring. This is this is true. They did. And then, it. And then someone it. someone threw in the hair towel, said, throw in the towel, man. <laughs> uh, and watch, those leftists getting mad saying, why are you doing a black accent because you have a black ass? No, it was a Rocky Four reference, okay? Throw in the damn towel. <laughs> throw in the damn towel, man. No justice, no peace. No justice, no peace. <laughs> I tell you, I just, I, I can't handle it. It's funny, though, while talking about this, the Clarence Thomas deal. I Again, reading it from sort of someone who wasn't involved in the media cycle. I was so young. I was still going, all right, why did he think this would be a good thing to say? I mean, there was that process where I'm going, what, 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 at what point does that come out? I mean, he must have immediately regretted his decision after the yeah. phrase. Not, not the best pickup line in the world. It's like walking into a woman at a bar and saying, can I buy you a drink or would you rather have the cash? Probably not a good pickup line. <laughs> no. Well, now you walk into a bar, you say that, they'll turn to you and ask if you like surprises. So it's it's changed. It's a changing world out there. Larry. Al, Sh- bit, yeah. Al Sharpton. Okay, I want to talk about that because I was talking with my producer here who's younger and he's more apolitical, um, Gay Jared over here. And um, he's talked about this. Al Sharpton, actually, when compared to my generation of race baiters, uh, like DeRay and Sean King, the people who've made their entire living online at daily costs or being funded by Soros, um, Al Sharpton seems downright classy. Have you noticed it becoming even more aggressive with people my age? It's funny. I was just talking about that a moment ago on my show. Uh, the millennials have been now accused of being almost as racist as non-millennials, which is fascinating. Over on MSNBC, I heard a pundit just now say that because uh, Dylan Roof, apparently, because of his age, is, a, I guess, technically a millennial, and it supposedly uh, pierces the myth that millennials are not racist. This guy uh, was a deviant. Uh, he couldn't even get a following. He has a racist manifesto, Stephen, where he complains he can't even get the Klan to join him. He wanted to start a race <laughs> back, in, back in 1969, a, a fellow named... Uh, Charlie Manson wanted to start a race war. He ordered the murder of of seven whites over two nights. Uh, And we don't think of him as somebody who was inspired by the Confederate flag. We think of him as a deviant, drug-addled nut who was able to get a following. Uh, uh, This guy, Roof, couldn't even get a following. And somehow this has gone into a... a Well, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. I don't understand. I'll tell you why Roof didn't get the following and Manson got the following. And if I were 14, there would have been a possibility. Sex seven times a day. <laughs> I mean, that's a great deal for a fourteen-year-old joining up. What? It's mandated. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Again, the whole point is that this guy could not get a following. He was angry. He couldn't even get the Klan to follow him. He kills nine people, and we're having a discussion about how much racism there is in America. We didn't have that discussion about Charlie Manson back in '69. Manson's goals were exactly the same. He wanted to start a race war. We wrote him off as a degenerate nut. He's got a he's got a swastika tattooed on his forehead. He's a nut, and so is this roof guy. Why are we having this conversation about gun control, about the Confederate flag? Ridiculous. It is ridiculous. I did get. A lot of flack, though, uh, just for saying, "Hey, listen, I ab- absolutely people have the right to run a f- Confederate flag. Let your freak flag fly any way you want." And Amazon and Walmart also have the right to not sell it if they choose not to. That's their right. It's not a First Amendment issue. And I said, me personally, 
I'm not going to be pro-Confederate flag. And I got so much flack for that. People saying, well, you know, it's about states' rights. You, this is something actually I would like your your input on. and Because maybe it's a blind spot for me. What I said, again, as an ignorant white guy, I said, well, states' rights don't supersede human rights. And as far as I'm concerned, slavery is a human right issue. The federal government had to abolish slavery. Am I off on that? No, 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 of course not. And, and if I were in the legislature in South Carolina, as I said repeatedly, I would vote against the flag as well. But I would not assume that everybody who voted against me uh, was a bigot. It's interesting. We say that sure. not every Muslim is a terrorist, but apparently everybody who's a proponent of the Confederate flag is a bigot. Not fair. That's true. It's not fair. Uh, it's not fair, but I do think I do think it's tough when I argue and I say, hey, I'm, I'm a conservative, you know, Republican, the party of Lincoln, the party that freed the slaves, and someone's going, oh, no, the Confederacy! I'm like, damn it. <laughs> right. <laughs> my, my mom is from Huntsville, Alabama. My dad is from Georgia. Uh, and there are even some black people who think yeah. of the Confederate flag as a symbol of history and a symbol of Southern pride. And there are a lot of white people who feel that way in good faith. So, again, even though I would not vote for the flag, there are so many people that resent it, so many people that feel it's a symbol of racism, and so many businesses that would not relocate to my state because of the flag. I would vote against it for all sorts of reasons. But I would not assume that my lawmaker across the aisle who votes differently is doing so because of bigotry. That's a good point. That sounds incredibly sensible. You know, the arguments. <laughs> I, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what I you're doing. I get lucky doing. every now and then. Yeah, every now and then. I was going to say. Every now and then. Uh, I, they were wrong about you on Spin City. <laughs> I remember, now, did, you, did you make a cameo on Spin City? Did you actually... I did make a cameo on Spin City. I did one also on the D.L. Hughley show. Yeah. And a show called American Dreams. I am an actor. This is true. You are an actor. Did they treat you okay? Or did you come on and they treated you like a piece of crap? I, 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 had, a, I had a cameo appearance on 24. Remember 24? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of my buddies uh, produces it, so he got me a little cameo thing. And when I was there, uh, the production assistant says, uh, uh, so-and-so's friend is here to do his part. I said, I'm not so-and-so's friend. I am an actor. And she went, so-and-so's friend, the actor, is here. Well, if anyone does any research and finds out who so-and-so is, uh, he'll never produce in Hollywood again. So thanks for that, Larry. Do they treat you well, though, on Spin City? Again, I was a youngster, so that's where, how I was introduced to you. They really did. Um, they knew that I was conservative. They knew that I probably had views that would make the ears explode of everybody else uh, on the set, but they were very polite to me. They also knew I was there only for a few minutes, and I'd be getting the hell out, so they probably were able to be polite for a few minutes. Right. Yeah, I remember thinking it was a very funny storyline, and uh, and I thought you were a good sport at going in and doing it. You know, I've seen Rush Limbaugh do that, and I remember thinking it was a really critical error for someone like Mitt Romney to say no to SNL. Uh, I'd like to see more conservatives doing what you're doing, at least being open to, I mean, listen, you reach across. It maybe helps because you're libertarian, and so right away they go, oh, I, don't, I don't know what that means. Can we book him? <laughs> uh, we're going to bring you back after this break. Larry Elder, LarryElder.com. Don't leave because he's smarter than me. You're listening to Louder with Crowder. Follow Stephen on Twitter at S. Crowder. Serious time. Super serious. A lot of you Crowder heads listening to this podcast aren't even following me on Twitter at S. Crowder. There is all kinds of stuff that you'll find on there you won't hear on this podcast, YouTube videos, and you can follow my insubordinate producer at FunDipDan. Finally, a plug for me first 20 seconds of this Louder with Crowder promo, and you're talking about Stephen friggin' Crowder. Are you going to cry? That's what you do. That's kind of <laughs> your thing. Louder with Crowder, at S. Crowder. Follow me. Follow at Fundit Dan. Just try to not make him cry. I'll cry tears of joy when the terrorists take you out. You're a strange animal. That's what I know. You're getting louder with Crowder. But you're a strange animal. I got to follow. Oh, I'm in the sea. 
final segment. The guy has to go because he's busy. LarryElder.com. Dear father, dear son. I've got that book right, correct? That's right. And, and uh, Stephen, it's about my dad. My dad grew up without a biological father. Uh, the name Elder was the name of the boyfriend who was in his life the longest. He was physically abusive. And uh, his mother had a series of boyfriends. And one day my dad, 13 years old, comes home and his mother uh, and the boyfriend and my dad start quarreling. And the mother throws my father out of the house at the age of 13 years old, never to return. You're talking about a black boy, Jim Crow South, right at the beginning of the Great Depression. Uh, and my dad always believed hard work wins. No matter uh, no matter how hard you work, bad things are going to happen. How you respond to those bad things will tell your mother and me whether or not we raised a man. And my dad would always say, Stephen, you can't control the outcome, but you are in 100% control of the effort. So don't make the outcome an excuse for not giving the full effort. This is, a, this is a guy who had every reason to be angry, every reason to be racist, every reason to hate America. Just the opposite. He said, the sky's the limit right now. I only wish I had the opportunities that you guys now have in front of me. Lord knows what what I would have done. That was my dad. And my dad, again, grew up without a father, as is the case with most black kids today. 72% of black kids today are raised without a father. It is not a death sentence, and my father's life is a testament to that. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because you're a libertarian, you're socially more liberal, but that's something that, I mean, that was that was your thing for a long time. You've talked about that for a long time. As a matter of fact, I just had a flashback to watching your day show with the mustache, and I just realized I'm incredibly upset that it's gone. I thought you and, you and Stossel were brothers in the stash. And then when I saw you without it, kind of like when Stossel, for a while, he cut his hair and uh, it went like he was, you could tell someone said, like, we're going to hip you up, Stossel, and it just didn't work. And I was like, why is your hair spiky? Well, Stephen, like a lot of black guys, I use a depilatory on my face. It's like Nair. It's a chemical, and it burns your hair off. And one morning, I got up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and I was half asleep, and I burned half of my mustache oh, off. Gosh. So I had to do the other one, and then I went back and forth, back and forth. Next thing you know, I only had this little chalk thing right there. Only two guys have a mustache like nah. that. One of them is Hitler. The other one is, uh, is Michael Jordan in a Hanes commercial. And I did not look good, so I cut it all off. <laughs> And nobody even noticed it. I went to work the following day. Nobody even noticed it. I had a mustache since I was 19 years old. This is about seven or eight years ago. Nobody even noticed it. <laughs> I hate to say it, but there's less of a contrast. Black mustache, black skin, it's going to... Apparently, nobody noticed it. All these years I'm doing all this, nobody gave a rip. <laughs> That's hilarious. You know, it's funny where you talked about that before. You talked about like cops talking about perpetrators. One thing I find funny, we're so afraid of the issue of, the issue of race. I think the left over-politicizes race. They use it all the time. And then I think the right tries to act sometimes like they're colorblind. And I don't think you need to do either. To the point where I'll be watching boxing or I'll be watching fights and they'll be like, well, the gentleman in the red and white trunks, I'm going... There's a black guy and a white guy fighting. <laughs> you know, I mean, why do we have to act like just say like the Mexican and the right. Irishman? Oh, OK, I get it. I don't want to have to calculate, you know, go on my color wheel in MS right. Paint and find the dot. Um, one thing and I've talked about this a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I told the guy I'm, laugh, I'm laughing, Stephen, because I was with a friend of mine. She was pointing out somebody over there, standing over there, and she was describing what he's wearing. He was standing next to this uh, white guy, and I said, you mean the black guy? And she goes, well, yeah, I haven't even say that. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to offend you. <laughs> well, I said it, too. One time I got flack. A guy looked exactly. There's no other way. He looked exactly like 50 Cent. Now, I know that's not a compliment to begin with. Okay, no one like... Probably not, yeah. No. <laughs> so looking back, maybe that's what irked him. But I said, like, man, you look so much like 50 Cent. You're like you just saying all black people look alike? I said no, but let me let me no, tell I'm you saying, something. You look like Fifty Cent. <laughs> he looks like Fifty Cent, but I will say this, okay? As a white person, and people get mad. Let me say, if I were to write down, right, if someone were to say, okay, describe Larry Elder, 
Okay, and we have I think we have Alfonso Rachel uh, coming on next week. So I'm going to say write down a description of Larry Elder. Right? Okay, um, brown skin, black hair, brown eyes. Uh, you know, write down certain features. It's like, hey, write down a description of Alfonso Rachel. Brown skin, black hair, brown eyes. Now, write down a description of Jared, you know, kind of reddish hair, brown eyes, whereas I have hate. Um, for a white person who's not used to seeing them as often, for example, like my mom, there are going to be more similarities, and they haven't learned the subtleties. And again, that's an example of, I do think to certain white people, many black people look alike, but it doesn't mean they hate black people. It means they're just not exposed. Well, interesting. When I was in college, I studied psychology, and there was an experiment and white guys, uh, Asian guys, and Latino guys, uh, and black guys were given 25 pictures of black people and 25 pictures of other races. And every group was able to identify their own group very, very well. Uh, and blacks were able to identify whites very well. Whites were only able to, able to identify whites very well, but whites couldn't identify Asians or blacks or Hispanics. Uh, but everybody could identify their own race and white people. But white people were clueless about everybody other than white people. Yeah, that makes sense. Blacks weren't able to identify Asians very well, right, I would imagine? No, or, or, or Latinos, no. But everybody could identify their own race and white people, but white people could identify only white people. I actually play a game with it with, 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 with Asians where it's call, like call it. So I go to my friend, I go, like, I think Korean. And they're like, well, Japanese. Right. And then the one thing I can get is they're like Thai. I can get Thai. And people, I mean, it's just sound, people are going to, it's not racist. It's just, we, we don't know. I, I don't, I don't know the differences enough between a Chinese person and a Japanese person. I don't. And that's, a, that's my blind spot. My mom was French Canadian and before the Haitian immigrant, she didn't know a lot of black people. So I've, I've seen her mix people up and it's been incredibly uncomfortable. And I've had to walk up afterwards and go, listen, she's the sweetest lady. She mixed you up for someone else. <laughs> Steve, I'm, I'm in a store once, this light lady, about 60, 70-year-old white lady, she says, I know you. I, I, you, you, you're somebody, you're somebody, who are you? And I said, well, Paul Newman, she laughed, and, I, and she goes, no, 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 really, who are you? I said, Robert Redford, she laughed, she said, no, really, who are you? I said, well, I'm Larry Elder. She goes, no, 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 I know Larry Elder, you're way better looking than Larry Elder. Oh, that was, a, she was hitting on you, she was pulling the old Clarence Thomas. <laughs> You're way better looking than Larry Elder. Way better looking than Larry Elder. Yeah, yeah to confirm, here's my phone number. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> well, well, you know, I prefer women with teeth. So no, she didn't. She oh, didn't, really? I, nah, yeah, you know. I didn't call her back. She did give me her phone number. But I didn't call her back. Well, that's your microaggressive sexism showing. There you go. Not everyone. I'm racist. Can, not everyone can have a pair of teeth, Larry. You and your teeth privilege. Everyone has yeah, privilege right. to some degree. I think it's I, one I'm of those. A I'm a teeth supremacist. You are a teeth supremacist. I'm, I'm a dental supremacist. Well, they're as white as can be. Those pearly whites. <laughs> They've got to be well, racist. You. Everyone has privilege to some point. I mean, that's one thing, too. We've, it's like a competition. And that's one thing I've, ta I've talked about with Rachel Dolzell. And maybe you can talk about this. Um, again, blind spot. She, it was, uh, there was a point where she was going, hey, she's not going, I want to become the best at something. I want to enjoy the societal, I guess, whatever you call uh, benefits of being a victimized class. She went out Isn't and chose something? to be black. She is Isn't aspiring to be the underdog. Right. So how bad can it be to be black when white people are pretending to be black? Back in the 50s, white people did not pretend to be black. So what does it tell you? Uh, Sherry even said she understands why Rachel Dolezal wanted to be black, because she wanted some of that black swag, that black pride that we have. Larry King once told me that his kids wish that they were black. And um, I don't know exactly what that means about what they feel about their father, but Larry King told me that his kids thought being black was so cool that they really resented being white and that they wished that they were black. So I guess being black is not all that bad. Well, I guess being Larry King's children is pretty bad. 
I've, I didn't I've, say that. You did. No, I did. I've I've run into Larry uh, in L.A. Well, you probably run into him all the time. I do. He looks like he is kept together with popsicle sticks and glue, man. That guy is. <laughs> I mean, it's like a Jim Hansen character when you see him in person. Going, you're Larry. You. Oh my God! I don't know how you're walking upright. It's a biz- it's a bizarre experience. Um, all right, we and have he's still, to. And he's still cooking. He's got a show now. He's still going. He's got his show. He was just selling he's some got his show. Yeah. What was it? Some yeah. like natural cures thing? I was watching. I don't know. He's sitting there. And you're going so colloidal silver. <laughs> you're like, for the full hour. For the full hour. <laughs> for, hour. for the full hour. Colloidal silver, essential mineral. <laughs> Larry, what, you, you decide for the full hour. We'll decide that. <laughs> this Larry King, and then Pierce Morgan came in and just—I mean, the slot wasn't doing well to begin with. But it, it is interesting. I do think you are someone who's remarkably consistent, which I can appreciate. I—I I am personally a Christian, and I—I've been sort of, I guess, accused of being too libertarian for being a Christian. I think there's a certain point where you have to uh, rationalize being a Christian with being an American, just as Jesus rationalized holding certain views to be self-evident, but. He he didn't expect everyone to start off with that uh, that jumping off point. And so I think uh, even if we don't agree on a lot of things socially, personally, we find a lot of common ground with the Supreme Court. This is uncharted territory. Let me ask you one thing before we leave, because, again, you're smarter than me. Then we have to go. Um, my question is this. The Second Amendment is in the Constitution. No state, you know, no one shall infringe, and states already infringe all the time, places like Illinois. Is it out of the realm of possibility to assume that because we're in uncharted territory with this complete overrule from the courts, we could be one decision away from guns being severely limited? Uh, I'm afraid you're you're right. Uh, if we get another uh, Democratic president uh, like Hillary and she gets two or three more uh, justices on the Supreme Court, we could very well find uh, some different rulings because the Supreme Court ruled 5-4 in the case of Washington, D.C. and in Chicago. Chicago, that their laws were so draconian that they infringed on the Second Amendment. Those decisions could have gone the other way with different uh, court uh, construction. So uh, you're right. We could be facing an assault on the Second Amendment. I've always found it fascinating that the ACLU is on the money on the First Amendment and on the Fourth Amendment, but there's a no-fly zone over the Second Amendment. They don't even touch it. Yeah, I know. And it's one of those things where I'm going, well, if if marriage, if two dudes getting shacked up is nowhere in the Constitution, they're going to say it's law. And there's a law. There's something there that is untouchable. It's so clearly expressed in the Second Amendment. And they don't mm-hmm. respect that. I, 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 I can't listen. I'm not a lawyer. Obviously, I know I'm not a part of the judicial branch for a reason. But I also think I should be able to make some sense of it with my pocket Declaration of Independence and Constitution. And I can't anymore. I agree with you. It is a right to keep and bear arms, just as the right for freedom of expression. Uh, and people seem to understand that when it comes to the First Amendment, but they completely don't understand that when it comes to the Second Amendment, it's the bias against guns. And frankly, uh, I did a documentary called uh, Michael and Me, where I explored the Second Amendment. Uh, and I talked to people like John Lott, who wrote a book called More Guns, Less Crime. Mm-hmm. And these so-called common sense gun laws that Obama wants, all they do is shift the balance of power to the bad guys, because only good guys, law-abiding guys like you and me, are the ones that abide by these laws. So all you're doing is tying the hands of good guys and uh, keeping keeping the hands free for bad guys. It's bad policy. Yeah, it's bad policy. And it's, listen, at the very core of it, it's anti-American policy. There's no way around it. Larry Elder, the book is Dear Father, Dear Son. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, l- let's get you back on soon. You're such a tough guest to, 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 to book. You're, you're, you're slippery. <laughs> anytime, anytime. All right, thanks, Larry. We'll have you back. Uh, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Now we're just, we're, stay tuned for Louder with Crowder. We're going to wrap this up. And then Brad Thor coming up at the half hour. You're listening to Louder with Crowder. 
Hey, this is Steven Crowder with Louder with Crowder to tell you about one of my favorite sites on the web, AR15.com. I know you hear AR15 say, isn't that the scary black rifle? It is, but AR15.com is actually the best website if you want a community from which to learn about how to care for your gun, gun safety, where to find concealed permits, courses, as well as the best online gun store in the business. I'm talking ammo, accessories, upgrades, all of it can be found at AR15.com. That's AR15.com. Back in this program, I am your host, Stephen Crowder. Follow me at S. Crowder, insubordinate <laughs> producer at Fun Dip Dan. Uh, I thought earlier today we said that I was an incompetent producer. It's not nice. You only incompetent people can call each other incompetent. Oh, okay. So, like, I can call somebody fat. You have an incompetence pass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have it. Can I play the incompetent card? You can play the incompetent card, absolutely. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm incompetent. It's okay. Yeah, it's uh, and if I can the, get a discount at the grocery store with my incompetence. And I will tell you this: little known fact to the rest of us, Fun Dip, and I know this is going to bother you. To to people like me, all you incompetent people look the same. <laughs> I can't tell you apart. <laughs> right now, I'm looking at Gay Jared, and I'm looking at you, and I think it's twins. <laughs> He's the thin. Hold on a second. Let me bring up my phone reflection. <laughs> I, I, we all, we all, literally, it, it's like looking into a fun dip mirror, <laughs> a funhouse mirror. It's a funhouse mirror. Oh, I have a funny story about funhouses. Happy Fourth of July, everybody. We're keeping it light and funny. So you know those, Jared. Do you I know? Th- go that far. Gay Jared, do you know those um those mazes like when you go to the the theme parks where it's it's like it's the most boring event or ride. It's not even a ride, but it's basically like a glass house where you have to oh, navigate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate those it's things. It's interesting if Scaramanga is chasing you though. Is that for Or some... just yeah, uh James Bond. Oh, is that yeah, James I got Bond? you. I got you funded. Yeah, no, that never happens though. It's just basically five dollars to be really bored and confused. Well, I also for five okay, minutes. My friend, it's like listening to this show. My my friend Andrew Sullivan, when I was a kid, found a trick because you know you walk like it gets painful after a while. You walk into the glass. I mean, if it's really polished, and he found a trick, and so it was instead of walking and banging into the glass, what you do is you face the direction where you think it's it's clear, and you spit. And if the spit hits the glass, you, you know, you go another direction. So that's how I figure it out. So that was his <laughs> trick. And it's actually pretty smart. You know what I mean? Instead of hitting your head, you just spit. Oh, go another way. Problem was, he spit on what just so happened to be the path. And there was a cute girl walking through the right path. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and this is actually on Canada Day. So it's a little similar to Fourth of July. Uh, over there, except you know they celebrate bending over for the monarchy, whereas we fought them off. And um, I just remember that being clear as day. He spat trying to find the glass. I don't know what you call it. Glass window, glass wall. I don't know. Uh, but chances are he ran into her at least three more times before the base is over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was uncomfortable. Oh man. Later on, well, then. you know, we were talking about things in the news, and and I read this earlier this week. There's a Muslim woman in Dearborn 
and she is suing the police department. She said her rights were violated when she was ordered to remove a headscarf for a mugshot after she got arrested. And I was just blown away by that. She, she was told that she was wanted for an unpaid parking violation, ordered to remove her headscarf, a hijab, whatever, uh, for a photo at the Dearborn Police Department last September. Maha Aldalimi was crying while explaining that removing the scarf in front of male strangers would violate her religious beliefs. Yeah. You You're know arrested. What? We got to be able to get a photograph of you. Yeah, I'll violate him. I'm going to violate that dress code. Not even going to feel guilty about it, Majahara. That's just frustrating. Is that and her name, I, Majahara? I, I'm probably not even accurate. Maha Ald Halimi. Flash Gordon Haji. <laughs> was that so what it was looked, with Haji and Flash, Flash Gordon? I think Haji was, it might have been in Flash Gordon, but it might have been in uh, Speed Racer. I can't I, remember where Haji came I don't know. Racist joke. Go ahead, Fun Dip. But one of the things that I ended up looking up after that was... Uh, hijabs and driver's licenses and apparently in new jersey you can wear the full friggin thing and get your picture taken and it's like eyes and instead of having a no that's a burqa hijab just covers the head the burqa covers the face same damn thing i don't care well it's well it's not the same damn thing if we're gonna make the horrendously ethnocentric jokes let's try and get it right sometimes (laughs) you know what's actually really true though in a lot of these countries again you want to talk about places that enjoy freedom in their day-to-day well what about women in middle eastern countries and islamically run countries there are women who just drown uh by the thousands each year because they have to wear their burqa when they swim. So if they want to go for a dip, they have to be waterboarded. Jeez. Yeah, my wife, when she traveled... I saw the burkini. I saw that advertised. The burkini? Yeah, it's it's like a, a burqa thing, and it's like a full outfit, and it covers everything, but it's tighter so that you don't drown. <laughs> I'm serious. I saw it advertised. It's got to be Sports it. Illustrated, the least popular well, that I can that I can agree with. Yeah, that's probably uh, not jeopardy be that on out. I'll come back in five minutes. <laughs> Let me see Kate Upton, but not her face. Uh, do you want to see it? Not her bosoms. I want to see ankle only. Um, and fingertips. And fingertips. Don't scratch that. She has man hands. I um. Yeah, <laughs> least popular Sports Illustrated. That's another thing to be proud of with America: the United States Sports Illustrated issue. Yeah, yeah, but what about the, all the page three girls in the, what is it, the world news or whatever it is? Oh, I, I have no idea. Um, let me ask you this, Fundit, before we go. Do you think the church now needs to lose their tax-exempt status? Is that something that you push for? That's a tough one. I mean, it's it's been tax-exempt for a long time. I, I never really understood why it was. Yeah. I would much prefer that I get tax-exempt status? Maybe I could start my own church, the Church of the Fund. Here's the, I've just realized the problem, the problem with you. You are, you are an, uh, you're like Larry David in that you are ultimately an entirely selfish being. Oh, completely. <laughs> because, I do you understand was, the world? I'm an only child. I, I have no brothers and sisters. If we give you tax-exempt status, are you going to be the single biggest uh, third-world-giving charity case like the american church the american evangelical church does more for charity for third world i am a big charity case than anyone (laughs) all right (laughs) look at his face we're going to go into and then end the show with 
fantastic interview, patriotic American who understands and values the principles afforded to him, unlike my insubordinate producer, Brad Thor, coming up after this break. Don't miss it. And I know Fundip is trying to jump in. He's trying to jump in. And you know what? Oh, oh, I can I can mute him today because I'm controlling this. Louder with Crowder. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> it's so funny how you give somebody the illusion of control and they think they actually have it. Fundip Dan here, totally in control. Don't miss London Calling, Saturday nights, 10 p.m. to midnight at whamradio.com. That's 10 p.m. to midnight Eastern. And follow me on Twitter at FundipDan. He has a powerful weapon. I am invincible. Shot. An assassin, a second to none. The man with the golden gun. And oh, by the way, you're listening to Louder with Crowder. Hey, listener, what are you doing? You're listening to the show, but you're missing so much content at louderwithcrowder.com. Don't worry. I'm not trying to sell you anything, not any gold or self-lubricating pocket catheters, just news, videos, and exclusive stuff that you don't hear on terrestrial radio. Again, it's, it's all free. We're not asking you to spend any money. Just visit there, get your news, and get a couple of laughs. If you want to send me money, that's fine. What? I don't even know. How do you get in this room? Cold hard in? cash. This ad took a bad turn. Hey! Louderwithcrowder.com. Don't listen to Fun Dip. It doesn't cost a thing. Louderwithcrowder.com. I'm going to do the things that I want to do. I ain't got a thing to prove to you. I ain't going to wear a cross that you like. I don't give a hoot about what you think. Everyone likes to dance to a happy song. Very glad to have this next guest because it's july 4th it's a patriotic day and this guy is is i mean if you go on his twitter you can follow him everything seems to be sort of american flag driven uh patriotic guy at brad thor author now this book brad is coming out next tuesday correct the 7th of july the 7th after the weekend and i i just you just gave it to me and i just dropped the name of the book in my brain it, my new thriller is called Code of Conduct. Code of Conduct. Okay, I was like, Act of Valor? That can't be it. It was one of those. I, <laughs> I knew it had something to do with that. And that's kind of, I mean, that's really your wheelhouse, right? You've written so many. I mean, how many thrillers have you written? I feel like, gosh, I feel accomplished after writing a several thousand word column, and you're just banging out these books like it's nothing. It's it's my 15th thriller, and you don't have to read the books in order. Uh, they're all meant to stand alone. Same character comes back, but each one is meant uh, for people. If you haven't read them before, you can start with Code of Conduct easily. Okay. And can you give us a little bit as to what Code of Conduct is about? Sure. Well, I call what I do, Stephen, faction, where you don't know where the facts end and the fiction begins. It's like uh, John Stewart. In, I, <laughs> like John Stewart at Comedy Central, exactly. Um so, you know, I'm an entertainer. My job is you're going to put your toes in the sand and book in the hand, and I'm an entertainer. So it, my goal is to give you a white-knuckle thrill ride. But I like to mix in facts, things that are really happening in the real world. In fact, one of the, uh, one of the best emails I get is when somebody says, you know, I have to read your books with my laptop open because you write about these things, and I'm convinced it's got to be the fiction, uh, but it turns out that these things are real. So uh, Code of Conduct, actually, I drew from two things that I'd found uh, out in the world. One is somebody spent a 
fortune. I don't know if it was Ted Turner or what to build what's called what's being called the American Stonehenge down in Georgia. There are these huge, huge slabs of granite with all this wild, wild globalist stuff written all over and kind of this predicting of this big event they think is going to come. Mm -hmm. And a couple of years ago, some of the dovetails with that is that there was a very big international organization having a very secret meeting high in the Alps in a chalet. It sounds like a thriller movie or a thriller novel. And some of the information from that meeting got leaked. And what these guys were planning is exactly what's on those uh, those big slabs of granite, this American Stonehenge down in Georgia. And I said, this would make a fascinating platform to launch a great summer beach read out of. So that's what I did. Sounds to me like to come up for ideas for your book, you have to be pretty worldly. You have to go, you have to see that thing, you have to develop an opinion. Whereas for me, unless the flash of genius occurs in the bathroom or the kitchen, I'm not writing a book. It's not coming to me. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. People say, where do you get your ideas? And I say in the shower, right? Because that's when I'm most relaxed at, or after a couple glasses of wine. But right. um, it really is, You, Jack London said, you can't wait for inspiration. You have to go after it with a right. club. If I don't sell books, my family doesn't eat. So, uh, And I love what I do. I've always wanted to be a, a thriller novelist since I was a little boy. So I read everybody under the under the blankets with a flashlight. Le Carre and Ludlum and Clancy and all those guys when I was growing up, and I always knew this is what I wanted to do. You know, it's funny. Was that with me? And and I mean, I was you know got an acting first, but comedy, just being an entertain, like you said, an entertainer, because I find it so limiting. You know, stand up is great, but then when sta- when the internet came along with YouTube, I was going, well, hold on a second. There are things that I in my stand up is very it's very storytelling. You know, it's not set up punchline, and I'll do these characters. Now I can do it in a video. So uh, you know, the French term co- comédien actually just means someone who's an actor who's an entertainer, and so I wish that applied in the United States. But you know, stand up for years and. Uh, Actually, I don't know if you know this, but Jerry Seinfeld was one who changed this. People don't realize. They think of him as sort of this benign, observational humor. He was the first guy who wrote every day because stand-ups would go out, they drink, they do you know drugs. That's kind of the lifestyle of the comic. Everybody knows. And while they were looking for leftover drugs, Jerry was getting up and treating it like a job and writing. And he said, I had my epiphany when I was walking in the streets of New York and I saw a construction worker with his hard hat walking to his job. And I thought he doesn't want to go. He doesn't want to do that, but he's doing it anyway because it's his job, and mine has to be no different. And um, so, same thing. That was for me too. I, I would sit up and, and just write stuff and just you know think about things, or 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 now I'll have videos going to try and be inspired and just force yourself to create something. And uh, it's very interesting that you say that because a lot of people, I think, and maybe that's why you've written so many books. Is it? Do you think it's your discipline that contrasts you with other writers? Uh- I think so. It really is seat of pants to seat of chair. You really do have to go after it with a club. But it, it for me, it's you know I kind of joke around about Davy Berkowitz, the son of Sam Killer. Yeah. You know, it's my dog made me do it. You know, yeah. it's the only way to to quiet the voices in my head. But if it's any uh, if it's any uh, satisfaction for you, I'll have you know that I can't get that damn Peace Prize song oh, out of I'm my sorry. head to this day. And my kids will say, look what I just found. And I'll go, whoop, was it a peace prize? Oh, God. I do that. My kids have seen it. It's actually, so we have kind of this insider joke at home about Crowder. So it's oh, uh, it's kind you. of a, it's it, no, it's a funny thing. And I, 
you know, you and I talked off air just about the culture and what it's like being us in pop culture and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it, well, it's wait, great. Wait, hold on, hold on a second. You are being very kind. I did not put myself on the pl- same playing field as Brad Thor. You've written like fifteen hundred <laughs> novels. I tell some jokes at a few drunks who often don't like them. But thank you. Continue. <laughs> It, listen, it's all part of it, right? It was uh, Andrew Breitbart that said politics are downstream of culture. Yep. And I think, you know, when you've got people on our side that that really love the country and, and believe that there's a uh, that there's a clear path forward for prosperity for everyone and success, if you're willing to get up and be that construction worker that goes to the job or that comedian that writes instead of looking for the next pile of drugs, it, it, it's it, no place in the history of the world has opportunity been more available than in the United States. So yeah. I, I like it when through my books or through your videos or your comedy, we can share the greatness of the country. I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah, sorry, my, my giant 100-pound dog just went nuts because someone arrived at... Uh, at uh, we're doing this from the home studio. Fourth of July, folks, I let you know. I'm, a, I'm on vacation with this one, and I'm still bringing it to you. Um, <laughs> the pizza guy hates him. He's terrifying. He's, he's this giant 90-something pound, all white. If you could picture a 90-pound white pit bull that's the size of, like, a Great Dane. That's what he looks like, and he's the sweetest thing. Um, I'm sorry. I was going to reference, sometimes, though, that pile of drugs helps with the writing, depending on who you are. So let's not throw everyone in the same category. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's true, and there are people like you and Clavin out there. I, I do get this sense that there is going to be more room in cultural positions, you know, I guess of the entertainment industry eventually than there will be in media. You know, there's media and then there's, you know, kind of Fox News. But that's closed and media is going away and it's turning into entertainment and digital anyway. So the idea of mainstream media is changing. But you're always going to have films. You're always going to have television, whether it exists online, comedy. And I feel like you're seeing a backlash to some of the political correctness because it became so constraining to creativity. Do do you feel that? Well, uh, you know, you talked about Seinfeld, right? So Seinfeld just came out against political correctness because he he said to his daughter, he said, well, we didn't make plans this weekend because we thought you'd want to go into the city in, in Manhattan. And she said, why? He said, I don't know, meet boys. And she said, that's so sexist. And he said, you know, I've had it with this. I, you just want to say the words to say the words. It's racist. It's sexist. It's this, that, the other thing. Um, you know, I just did a tweet that Twitchy picked up on the other day about uh, how quickly the Obama administration got the uh, the uh, the gay uh, pride flag colors uh, beamed against the side of the White House. And I said, oh, my God, this is the first major event that they weren't caught uh, off guard by. You know, they and didn't you know, know about Putin is looking at that going, I know that man was a queer <laughs> I'm going to do some things to this guy. I'll tell you right. What a country. Um, but, you know, I did this tweet saying this is the first time this administration wasn't caught off guard because they said, oh, the IRS targeting scandal caught him off guard or the Fast and Furious scandal caught him off guard, listening in on the AP phone calls, all that kind of stuff. But this one they got right. And so I just put that out there to basically show how inept and incompetent they are unless it's one of their pet projects. And I have people say, oh, you're being anti-gay. And I said, I'm not being anti-gay. I'm being anti-ineptitude, anti-incompetence. It's like, okay, yeah, you guys were right there and ready to handle the gay marriage issue, but where were you on Benghazi? Where were you on Fast and Furious? You know, stuff that I would argue from a national security standpoint, 
kind of important. No, I think you're right. I think if Hillary's emails had penises all over them, we'd get our hands on them <laughs> in New York. <laughs> well, if you don't think, speaking of Putin, if you don't think the Russians and the Chinese have all of her emails, I mean, that's the big thing is that with her saying she deleted them and all this stuff, it's a bunch of BS and uh, it's just blackmail fodder for anybody who wants to uh, – you know, nail Hillary Clinton. Oh, there's some Chinese official right now laughing at her Bermudan cruise selfies. Just, oh my God, we can't even get this big. And man, she can't even run. She can't move those legs. <laughs> I guarantee you they're not impressed. I, uh, that's okay. Don't worry. I said it. Brad Thor didn't. You can send your hate tweets to Ed S. Crowder. Uh, it's, it, it, you know what? That's, it's funny. That's a good point. I, you know, I was talking about how obviously they didn't run the American colors, uh, during Fourth of July ever, or right. um, when we captured Bin Laden, but that was the one thing they decided to do the colors. But your angle is is one I actually wouldn't uh, have thought about. They're on top of everything. They're on top of nothing eh, except the gay thing. Yeah, I, I mean, and listen, it is a. Uh, I'm not saying that 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 isn't worthy of discussion and debate and, and even sure. you know, celebration. I, yeah. I have I have some absolutely fantastic gay friends who are in committed long-term relationships. And you know what? Being married's hard. It's hard. If you want to be an example of committing to another person, I I'm glad to have you on board. I am glad. I'll tell you what, like I don't. I have tons of gay friends. None of them are in committed. They're great friends. None of them are in committed <laughs> monogamous relationships. Well, here's the other thing. I think it was, uh, who's the guy that did the dish? Andrew, um, he's so, the, yeah, Andrew Sullivan, Sullivan right? Yeah. Yeah, I think Andrew Sullivan actually did an article. I've got it saved on my computer somewhere, basically saying, you know, some of the some of the Christian groups are right that there is a segment that wants to redefine marriage on on the on the gay side. Uh, and I asked some of my friends about this, and they were explaining to me, well, you know, it's the it's the rights and the government favoring one group over another. We're trying to even that out. And I'm like, well. Am I crazy? Do I believe gay marriage is going to look any different than a straight marriage? It's committed monogamy between two people. And they said, well, you know, there's a couple of different ways it happens in the gay community. There are open relationships, just like there's open straight relationships. So it's been an interesting thing to watch. Not but very many. <laughs> <laughs> open straight relationships, you know, like the, the Smiths make headlines. You know what I yeah. mean? <laughs> but listen, I'm not talking – listen, I think it's a good – for gay people who wanted it, even though it was a small minority of the gay community – uh, no matter where you line up, you've got to, you know, it's like hockey. You line up, you shake the other team's hand. You go, hey, that's a good win for you. No matter where you line up, game has to respect game. That being said, <laughs> open relationships. Listen, all I'm going to say, we're going to go to, I've worked in the entertainment industry my whole life. So have you. All right, let's just be, let's just be honest. It's a much more forward, it, like Milo Yiannopoulos implied. Men are visually stimulated. The fail stops to a veritable meat market is women saying, no, you don't have that. So there's going to be a different dynamic. Brad Thor, who I, I won't mar his name anymore, and we'll talk about good things after this break. Hey, Fundip, what's wrong? I'm trying to figure out what kind of gift to send to my friend's hot niece. Well, firstly, that's creepy. Does she like wine? Well, yeah, everybody likes wine. Oh, so what's the problem? I just don't know what kind of wine she likes. Oh, well, the good thing is you're in luck, because you can go to SimplifiedWine.com or call 844-297-WINE. You just place a call or you send an email, and a qualified sommelier will find out what you like, your price range, and curate a perfect wine list for you or your friend's hot niece. SimplifiedWine.com or 844-297-WINE.
You're listening to Louder with Crowder. Follow Stephen on Twitter at S. Crowder. Brad Thor, you can follow him on Twitter at Brad Thor. I am your host. I should have mentioned that first again. If you're listening to Louder with Crowder, you know who I am. Uh, his video, his book is coming out next week, Code of Conduct. I got that right, my friend. You got it right. Yep. I got that right. So we were just talking about this decision this week. Um, listen, uh, my whole position on that, I think, has been remarkably consistent in that I don't want to say I'm remarkable. It's been consistent in that I've tried to separate being a Christian personally and my respect for the Constitution as an American. And I think that just like divorce laws, custody laws, fault laws, uh, as it relates to marriage, states have the right to decide those. And if they want to decide gay marriage, absolutely. My problem is with an overreach of the courts. Nine justices. Yeah. No, that's – listen, as somebody – so this is my biggest issue with all this, that as a limited government guy, I don't like the idea – of so much power concentrated in Washington and they're going to make decisions for the states. I mean, when you look at the way the country was founded, everything was supposed to be, except for a few things, was supposed to remain with the states. And the states are the laboratories of democracy. So to get activist judges anywhere, whether it's on the state level, overturning propositions or ballot initiatives, and I'm not talking just about gay marriage, but anything. When a judge decides that the people don't get to decide what's best for their communities, you know, we've got a a problem. And that, I mean, I can roll this all the way back to the Great Society with LBJ and, you know, or even earlier than that. LBJ, we're not talking about gay marriage. Continue. No, it's, it's not the acronym, exactly. But there's there's a lot of stuff that the federal government has taken upon itself to do that people in their own communities would do better, particularly helping people who are down on their luck. We talk about the construction worker in our first segment saying, yeah. you know, he may not like the job, but he gets up and he goes. But if you've got somebody getting federal assistance and I see that same guy and he's sitting on a bar stool on a Tuesday, well, what it used to be locally through the church or whatever, we'd help that guy get back on his feet. If he's on a bar stool on Tuesday and not beating the pavement looking for a job, Job, then he gets an ass kicking from his neighbors, as opposed to the federal government doesn't watch that stuff, and people can just sit back and collect checks. It's I, I, the, the balance of power is all messed up in this country. Too much in D.C. Well, that's a, that's a good point, and I think that you have a lot of leftists who don't understand the fundamental role of government. And there are certain things where the federal government had to step in, for example, abolishing slavery. Human rights supersede state rights. The problem is now everything is human right. Not being healthy, the right to Forcing someone else to provide you health care is now a human right. The right to marry is now a human right. They want the right to not be poor to be a human right. They want everything to be declared a human right. Therefore, you can remove authority of the states. And that's one thing I, I, I feel the need to clarify because I've gotten so much flack for saying, hey, if businesses want to run their Confederate flag logos, that's fine. I personally am not a Confederate guy. I'm glad the union won. Uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Team Lincoln guy. They, well, how dare you? States rights. I go, well, in that case, states rights don't supersede the human rights of abolishing slavery. Um, from a personal Absolutely. standpoint. But if Amazon wants to stop selling Confederate flags or continue selling, that's their right. And I think both sides get that wrong because everyone wants to apply their emotion. Do you notice this in writing, that everyone's okay if you're making an argument on one thing or you're saying something that's offensive on one topic until it's their topic, and then it's like, oh, that's my thing, and they just go nuts. <laughs> yeah, it does. It's you know what? It's the theater of perpetual outrage. Yeah. So we move from one outrageous outrage to another, and it's you know it's it's really I've had enough. It really is. It is nuts, and nobody then wants. They'll be outraged, but then they don't want to get right down to the issue. You know, Bill O'Reilly is one person I think has done so much for saying, okay, let's really talk about fatherlessness in the black community. Seventy-two percent of out of wedlock births are happening in that community, and these young men are growing out, uh, up without good father figures around. 
down to uh, to keep them in line, and they're drifting towards gangs and drugs and all this kind of stuff. Great discussion. If there was no Bill O'Reilly and if he didn't have his platform at Fox, we wouldn't be pushing back on all this Black Lives Matter crap, which is used to hide and, and contort the message on a lot of different things. I'm not saying Black Lives don't matter. Every yeah, life let's, matters. let's correct okay? that. Someone's yeah. going to take that sound but go, Brad Thor <laughs> says that Black yeah. Lives do not matter. Do you want to yeah. buy this man's book? Yeah, I'm thinking the hashtag and how yeah, it's, I know the hashtag you know. is so stupid. It's stupid, and we were just well, we were just talking with Larry Elder about this, and he's been at the forefront of the um, you know the necessity of black fathers. Um, and again, you know, it's it's just tough because it, it's politically incorrect, and someone feels you're making a moral judgment. Well, yeah. What's wrong with a moral judgment? I mean, this nation was set up. This nation only works. America as founded only works for a just and moral people. All right. I get it. If you don't go to church and stuff, that's fine. But still, you got to have a compass. There are certain things that the social contract, all that kind of stuff, you can't. We can't succeed if we're not willing to hold a, a few things in common, particularly the ideals of what makes for a great nation. So that's that's my issue. It's it's stunning to watch how rapidly the country is changing and how successful the progressives have been. But like you said, it's like hockey, right? You slap the other guy's hand, say, great game, great game. But the problem with our side is not enough people learn from the tactics on the other side. No. There's no. not enough good storytellers on our side either. There's not enough good storytellers, and uh, ironically enough, conservatives, you know, Republicans suffer from the, messi- the messianic complex worse than anyone. They're looking for a messiah to save them because they're so right. irrelevant culturally. It's like, Sarah Palin's going to save us. Rubio's going to save us. Trump, oh my God, is going to save us. This is the new savior, and there is no one savior. You're, you're, you're squandering any winning arguments you have into social irrelevancy and looking for a political figure to save you, and that is what drives me nuts. I will tell you what Trump will do. Trump will make sure that it's not, and I'm I'm not pro-Trump. I mean, I've declared for- I know where here, you're going and I agree. But yeah. he's so good for the primary process because yes. he's going to attract attention. Heck, I'd like Snooki to be in there and Wow and some of those other chuckleheads from, <laughs> from reality television because if it gets people paying attention, this is, we live in such a bread and circuses society. So if Trump draws attention to the ideas that we think are great just on our side for the country, that's awesome. That's great. Glad to have him. Please keep throwing bombs and being populist. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, he hasn't even filed the paperwork, and I think he was a Democrat until 2009 and gave all his money to the Democrat Party, filed Chapter 11 four times. So I certainly don't want to see him as president, but I do think he's good at poking his finger in the chest and making sure that some kind of a discussion happens. We have to. I didn't realize we have to let you go. My final word on this is never trust a man whose hair defies both good taste and gravity, neither of which yours does. So Brad Thank Thor... You. Thank you. Code of conduct, bradthor.com? Absolutely. Bradthor.com. Thanks so much. We'll have to have you back when it's not uh, so uh, tense in the social atmosphere. (laughs) Thank uh, you. The Lighter with Crowder. Stay tuned.